Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Great to meet you here. Thank mm-hmm. you for being a revenue maverick. Um, everyone, my name is Neil Kamal. I'm one of the founders of BoostUp. And welcome to our recording for Revenue Maverick. I would love to introduce you to our guest, Lucas Lam. Lucas, who is the director of product solution and an expert on the all facets of revenue and revenue generation process. Lucas, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Neil. Really excited to be here. Lucas Lam, uh, I've been in this space for about six, seven years now. Um, I started off actually more on the inbound, uh, really at the forefront of ABM, demand gen, and all the plays being built around that marketing side of things. And then as part of that, I got introduced to sales operations, sales intelligence, and for the last four or five years, really been focusing on this evolving space of revenue operations and revenue intelligence. So today for BoostUp, I work with all of our customers on helping them improve forecast process, sales methodology, really consulting them on how they can get the most out of their pipeline and their reps. And then I work with a lot of our customer, or our prospects, our partners on trying to help them figure out, you know, what should they be doing as an org uh, with BoostUp and in general uh, to get the most out of their, their sales and their pipelines. Fantastic. Before we get on this journey and hear from Lucas about his set of metrics and how through his experiences, he looks at the world of revenue. Let me share a little secret about Lucas, a little known secret. I've been told that Lucas has roughly 50,000 hours of experience uh, on revenue intelligence and revenue and forecasting. Is that right, Lucas? Yeah, I've had the benefit of being uh, working with a bunch of different vendors over my years and being always on the post-sales world, uh, but never really being a, you know, an account facing CSM. So I've had the benefit of working across a, a wide number of customers over these six years of being in this space, uh, very wide range of industries, sizes as well. Um, and that's been the benefit of kind of what I've learned here is it's not just one tech, one size, it's really just kind of the gamut of running business as a whole. That's fantastic. And the community, the revenue mavericks out there, they would love to learn from and, and peek into the world of experience that you have. Um, uh, let's step into the program and the metrics themselves. You know, um, as I often say, the real heroes of all revenue production and revenue results is revenue operations team. And you work with hundreds of them. So you are uh, very close to the challenges, the maverism, the, the coolness, the smarts of these people. As you take us through the lens of this metric, please pepper in stories from your life and uh, your learnings. Definitely. So just to kind of set the stage here, the three metrics I wanna highlight, um, I, I'm choosing these mainly because of the time of the year that we're in. And I think it's really relevant to be focusing on these types of things given what I'm seeing uh, in the field. Risk tolerance, CQ saviors, and uh, defining forecast accuracy beyond dollar value. Mm, I love it. I love the way you named that. <laughs> so risk tolerance. Um, this one is really close to me coming from kind of a background again on the account-based marketing side, where it's really around you know driving engagement, having those touch points. And we all know that it's, um, to have successful pipeline outcomes, especially in more complex B2B sales, 
you need a lot of just general activity with all these buyers and decision makers because there's so many of them. Um, so the whole idea of this metric here is to come up with a common definition of what is forecasted pipeline and what of that pipeline is or is not at risk. So as we think about this metric, the first thing is forecastable pipeline. And I, I choose to define that as commit and best case deals, right? We don't want to include that pipeline stuff because it's pipeline for a reason. It would have progressed forward if it was more valid. So we're looking at what I'm probably including in my forecast call every week. And in this case, we've defined at risk as having a risk score greater than 60 with factors such as being touched in the last seven days by our sales team or responding to our sales team in the last 14, making sure we're getting that reciprocation, having meetings every month because we found that that's a good cadence for successful outcomes. And then on the CRM side, making sure that they're updating close date, just so I know the rep is thinking about the deal um, and they're not leaving it stale in a stage for more than 60 plus days, because we know that's a really clear indicator of the rep not managing that opportunity anymore as well. Um, and the big thing here is being able to compare that to what percent of my pipeline was at risk last quarter. And this will help me identify those trends, those early warning indicators inside of my pipeline. Great. So as in some ways you are, you're using a new telemetry to understand pipeline. And this telemetry is sort of a risk-based telemetry, which is um, obviously sounds like a leading indicator. Um, what have, given that you have used this in your life and through your customer's life, what decisions have they made based on this data? So the biggest thing that they're trying, like decision-wise they want to come up with is, how much can I actually tolerate here? Um, so what they're looking at is, okay, last quarter, um, you know, this metric's really key to track week over week. So on week eight, I can see that um, the overall organization, they had 42% of their risk at pipeline. And today on week eight, we're actually 10% more risky than we were. So at a top level, I now know things aren't healthier to start, right? But I wanna then figure out what's causing that change quarter over quarter. And I can clearly see here, team two is the major part of my business that's causing it to be more risky. I can drill down deeper, start looking at team two by manager, by rep, understanding where that risk is coming from. Um, but you also wanna think about the beneficial sides of tracking this metric. So like team four here, quarter over quarter, training more healthy as well and having less risky pipeline. Um, but now that I know, you know how we're trending, how I performed last quarter, I can then start scrutinizing this pipeline, really understanding, okay, for team two here, what are those deals that are at risk? Why are they at risk? And what do we need to do to affect them? And one of the kind of overarching goals and the customer that actually brought this to me, what they want to define from this is a target so that they can say, we want to achieve this percent of at-risk pipeline because we know some things are always going to be at risk. That's just the nature of deals. Um, so as long as we're at 45%, we think we're going to be okay and be able to hit our target outcomes. But you're only going to be able to create that if you start tracking it now so that you can build that wealth of history around how much were we, uh, were we at risk and did we actually get targeted in the end given what pipeline was looking at? That is actually fantastic because, you know, often people have comparative analysis between the teams to find out who your best sellers or your best performing team is. But by the time that identification happens, a few quarters have already gone by. In some ways, you are trying to get to it in real time 
so as to both not only save the quarter but also change the behavioral pattern of that team relative to other teams so this is superb why um in your opinion what is so complex about it why is everybody not using risk tolerance as a metric the hard part is capturing what i call natural sales activity so we're all used to thinking about sales activity right but we're often forced to require reps to log that activity so then that becomes the whole game and that's even some fallacies in like tracking close date past due or days in stage because if that's the risk factor definition is just CRM data or what the rep is logging for me they're going to start gaming that system because again that goes to the forecast side that we'll get into later and how the health of the pipeline gets scrutinized by their boss which then leads to that forecast uh unpredictability right so the big thing here is not forcing the rep to log activity because that's not what their job is to do their job is to engage buyers and to go have conversations that lead to to good outcomes right so let them go focus on that do the activity tracking with a tool in the background that's matching emails and calendar events to their accounts and opportunities and then you can come up with these really nice metrics around hey historically when we have hit target for all of our opportunities for this rep we engage every week or every 5 days let's now define that as a risk metric um but again if you don't know and can't capture activity in the first place you can't even start thinking about real risk versus just CRM risk this is actually really great because i'm thinking uh, you know as marketing team they would start having risk tolerance defined based on lead sources right i mean in event based leads will have maybe more risk versus something which is more you know webinar based versus something that you paid a lot of money to get and and that risk tolerance would propel people to take action and one action could be sales team in as you are pointing out but the other action could be that this particular lead source is just not very good mm-hmm. i'm highlighting this here around like pipeline right because we're in q4 for the most part so we're really trying to manage toward the end of your targeting at the same time this is mainly for the sales folks right the guys who are managing those deals but if i think about my operations customers that i'm working with we're actually doing the same at risk definition but at the account level and for their prospect accounts as we start planning for next year so as they're looking at recarving their territories um redoing their target account segmentation for the marketing team and working with them on that part of it these same metrics are really relevant well if we've had marketing inbound leads we're not getting reciprocation from those people that we've sourced is this an SDR problem is this the play problem with how we're actually having them engage those leads that we've brought in so this same wealth of data around tracking what's at risk what is active or being um engaged definitely relevant as we think about next year planning as well fantastic this is wonderful let's take us to your next metrics and the wealth of experience there cool so we now understand how we're trending from a risk perspective are we healthier and unhealthy and we know that given where our pipeline is at we have about a 100k gap to our current quarter target right So then there's two questions from that. First one is, do I have enough pipeline in the current quarter that still could be created based on what I'm seeing in top of funnel on the inbound side that could cover me? But really, especially if you think of like Q4 and you're not going to build a ton of pipeline mid-November through end of December and close it probably with the holidays and everything, you're probably needing to look to next quarter to cover any remaining gap you have. Um and I really like this play and thinking about it in a different way every quarter. because we all know the seasonality of different deals and how they'll change 
depending on how you transact with your buyers. But the main thing here is to think about what are deals that could be in the future that have the right qualification that I may want to pull in. Um, so these are going to be deals that are in a later stage. The buyer has been engaged more recently, like last seven days, last five days. I like sales process here because this is where we can identify, do we have the economic buyer, decision maker? If we have all the people, we've gone through InfoSec maybe, we've done the MSA things, or we're at least in progress there. Well, then it's more probably a pricing discussion, or maybe we just don't have that right um, executive person coming in over the top to get us over the line. And if we can identify where all the process things are happening, where they're happy and engaged, that's really where upper sales leadership, executive team can come help out our rep to pull these deals in and really save our, our quarter, our year potentially, by covering any remaining gaps we have. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's very timely, um, given the macroeconomic climate and what's going to happen with Q4. Everybody will look for ways to get to a stable ground. And this is a very, very powerful plot to help those sales leaders. One thing I do want to call out with this, though, um, it's great to identify these and have a whole workflow for pulling in your saviors. But you also have to think of the impact that's going to have on your next quarter coverage well, right? Are you potentially pulling in too much to just focus on CQ where you're eroding your next quarter coverage and you're never going to catch up anyway? You're basically kicking the can down the road and, and just extending your problem. So it's really important to identify this, but the bigger thing and the bigger business decision here is what's that workflow, what's that conversation we're going to have around these deals? to decide if we want to pull them in or not. And that's where that activity tracking is really powerful because I want to understand, okay, how engaged is the economic buyer? How engaged is the champion? Um, have we had the right pricing conversations from the emails, the calls recently to have that better insight into real pulls versus keep them in next quarter, have them for next quarter pipeline, it's still there. Makes sense. And what is create and close here? So a big aspect of this is having some kind of projection to understand how much pipeline could be created and closed in the remaining days of the quarter. Um, so you're how definitely going to predict, how would you predict how much can be created? So this is where you're going to want some kind of tool that's been benchmarking and cohorting your historical data um, and then providing you this type of AI projection. There's ways you can build it in house, but you know, there's a lot of vendors out there. Boost up is one of those, obviously that has a lot of experience in cohorting your deals and understanding the way that conversion rates change day over day, quarter over quarter. Uh, we all know the classic hockey stick effect of close rates as we head to the end of the quarter. And those are the kind of unique aspects of sales process that you'll definitely want a projection to handle. Or you may be over or under attributing how much you can remain and get in the quarter. And then again, eroding too much of your next quarter coverage potentially. I like it. This is going to be a fantastic addition to to the library of metrics that uh, we're going to maintain through the Maverick program. Thank you. Cool. So we now understand pipeline that's at risk. We potentially pulled in some deals to help us cover our current quarter gap. And then we go to our Thursday, Friday forecast call. Everyone's favorite day of the week, right? Uh, and uh, we're all used to forecasting at this point. Uh, forecasting has been you know, a well done practice for many, many years now. But forecasting, you know, the old school way of doing it and tracking accuracy has been to make a call every single week. And then for, you know, week four, six, eight, ten, the main weeks of the quarter in terms of forecasting, 
I'm gonna try to measure, you know, where you plus minus 5% to your final book number. So really just focusing on the dollar value that I'm calling. Um, that's fine, right? It's a great starting point. We all gotta do it to, to kick things off. But what we've seen is a new school way of doing it, especially as we think about pipeline health and really trying to understand, are these deals real or not? And then given the reality of those deals, what's the forecast call, what's the gap target, all those other classic metrics, starts with being able to say, here's my number and here are the deals that I'm including in that submission, in that call, that are gonna get me to that point. Right. This is that cooperating evidence around, hey, I'm calling 100K, and here are the 10 deals, the eight deals that are gonna actually get me there, that I think this week are gonna get me there. And that's the key aspect of this, is every week a rep's mind may change around what deals will get them to that number and what deals won't get them there. Hmm. And that's real accuracy. Because if you think about sales process, if I don't know the reality of my deals, I'm probably not setting the right category, the right close date, definitely not dispositioning stage correctly. I may be quoting incorrectly as well. And you can really kind of track that behavior if you start thinking of deal level forecasting versus just tracking that number. Wow, okay. So this takes care of all those anomalies where one large deal saves your pattern or hides your pattern. Mm -hmm. and, and small losses do not factor in in the overall grand scheme of things because they are small. So by going on accuracy and not just on dollar amount, but actually going beyond the dollar amount, now what behavior, once we identify this, what will be the practice? Like, is are you expecting a sales manager to have weekly discussion or quarterly discussion with the rep? Like, what is the process and outcome that you expect to come out of this? So the process is usually the harder part for people to understand because most most reps and managers agree it'd be great to know what deals make up the call. I'd love to understand that. But you need, again, this is definitely where a tool comes into play, having a platform to assemble those deals every single week, make it easy to roll up the hierarchy. This becomes really interesting when we can go, rep is calling in these deals, manager can then agree or disagree per deal and keep doing that up the hierarchy. Um, but that's the first part of it is finding a way to make this really easy for your reps to do um, and, and having that process created. Once you're doing that and able to track it week over week, the main thing you're trying to answer is, let's look at week eight here as an example. On week eight, I called nine deals and of those deals, actually 10 closed. And I was actually really accurate. And I only missed one opportunity. So obviously what were those nine I called in? Because those are the ones that I thought would close that did actually close. I had a good sense of my pipeline, right? I called it correctly. And then for the one deal I got incorrect, right? We can double click into that and see, okay, was I being overcautious, right? And thinking it wouldn't close or did something happen? Maybe we had an SE join a call more recently that helped us pull the deal in over the line. And we need to actually bring that into our sales process earlier and have SEs engaged. So that one deal is gonna help you identify where is that swing coming in? Now imagine it's also a large opportunity, right? It's a significant deal that you weren't expecting. That's really going to help you drive better outcomes. Mm -hmm. So you still need to do the top level call. I'm not saying don't call a number, right? But when you're calling that number, you're saying, I'm going to get to 135, provide that evidence around, and here's the deals that are going to get me to that point. I see.
So you're rightly fixing the behavior of the rep the next time around by them being self-aware of the nature of their deal, both from things not coming through as well as things coming more than what they committed to. Yeah. And the reason I've, I've found this to be really useful and easy for companies to pick up is because reps already think this way, right? If you ask a rep, how's your deals going? They, they talk about their opportunities, right? And even their boss is probably talking about those individual deals. Mm -hmm. But that conversation breaks down as we get further and further up the hierarchy. But if you think about the nature of pipeline help today, VPs need to be able to inspect individual deals. Because mm -hmm. again, if my pipeline's unhealthy and I'm leaning on two or three really, really large deals, imagine the same thing on the renewal side, calling in what's going to renew or not going to renew every single week. Being able to have a VP, a CRO analyze that is super impactful. And again, with pipeline help the way it is, you're going to want to be able to get those insights to senior leadership so they can provide that air coverage as well. So to me, this is another point where it's really about working together, identifying where there may or may not be risk, not to go, you know, get on anyone's case or anything, but actually have a better outcome here and say, hey, this is when we win, this is when we lose, let's make sure we're following that process and scrutinizing what happened last quarter so we don't repeat that this quarter and we improve quarter over quarter. Superb. Lucas, I want to thank you. This is very insightful. Before I let you go, for the larger community, I would love to ask you, for those people who want to become revenue maverick like yourself, what advice would you give them? Is there a book? Is there a class? Is there best practices of becoming Lucas Lamb? Mm -hmm. Please share. Um, so the biggest thing that I've done, um, you know, outside of speaking with a lot of customers and just trying to like learn as much from them is really reading into why are operations people thinking in these ways. So when I first got into the industry, there was this big trend of adopting more of a subscription based sales method. Right. And so I had to go just kind of read up on like, Hey, what is SaaS? What are subscription models? And then for every customer I would engage with, I would go to their website, look at what products they would sell, maybe look at uh, submit a lead form to see how they capture their inbound process, right? And that would just give me a better idea of, hey, well, maybe they have a freemium inbound model and they're trying to convert their freemium base into a B2B base, right? right? Pretty typical play that was happening, right? And now that's evolved and changed in the way orgs are developing where they may actually say, no, we're gonna do self-serve uh, freemium model all the way until your true, true enterprise licensing, and then we'll convert you to that package. And you can see all that stuff on a company's website. So that for me is one really easy thing to do to just have a better idea of like what's going on, what are people thinking about? Um, and then the other one I really recommend is uh, just kind of Googling around and seeing what's out there and what people are talking about. There are so many forums available to us today between, you know, just the Salesforce stack with what they're asking around basic Salesforce questions to individuals creating entire YouTube tutorials on like complex forecasting using BI tools. And I may never actually do that, but just knowing what's being talked about so you're confident with that verbiage, that language, um, just makes that that much easier to get to this more fun and impactful stuff uh, internally and with customers as well. Superb. Thank you so much. Congratulations on becoming a revenue maverick and welcome to the program. Thank you. Awesome to be here with everyone. Bye-bye now. <laughs>